0: Giants, the Amalekites, this Canaanite parade. Don't you remember? Don't you know your stories of Israel? Hi there and welcome to Kids Way, a website and podcast designed to encourage kids to stay on the way of the king. Today we are starting the story of Dave the shepherd boy and I want to give a special thanks to Mr. Jamie Souls for allowing us to use his wonderful music for the podcast Please check out the link on the website or you can find Jamie at soulmusic.ca That's S O L music.ca Thanks so much for joining us today we hope you're encouraged and blessed by today's story Chapter two A Day of Training As Dave made his way to the flock, they slowly moved aside, making a pathway for him to walk through the middle. By this time the sheep were so used to their shepherds that they didn't even look up, but rather took a few bites, and then they moved aside while still chewing their green, juicy breakfast. The content sound of baa bah, bah, Could be heard among the little sheep as they played and danced around. Dave always thought it was so funny when the young sheep would be so busy jumping around that they would bump into the older sheep, who would then push them away with their heads and continue eating. The older sheep never really seemed to be interested in playing with the young ones, but they ate like they might not see another blade of grass for weeks to come. It was as though the older sheep knew of a secret that no one else knew regarding a grass shortage in the near future. Dave counted as he went through the herd. 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. The twins make it 40 plus little prancer is 41. 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 49. There should be 50, David said. As he looked around, he could see a round white object just on the horizon, and he had to look twice because it looked like it was moving. But suddenly David realized what it was. Curly, David yelled out. What are you doing? David jogged over to where Curly was and couldn't believe what he had done. Somehow, Curly had managed to wedge himself into what appeared to be a fox den or something. Curly's rear end was sticking up in the air and it was jumping from side to side. He was stuck. David set down his staff and tried to pull on Curly's back legs, but it didn't seem to help. He stood back and took the sight in again and couldn't help but laugh at the situation. And while it was funny, he knew that if left like this, Curly would die. Dave really didn't want to call his brothers over because it would only confirm that he was too little to care for the sheep on his own. But it was too late. Eli must have noticed the commotion and came over to see what was going on. He laughed when he saw Curly and said, Oh, Curly, why must you always get yourself into the strangest places? Eli looked at David and said, Well, little brother, What do you think? What is a shepherd to do in this situation? David said, I did try to pull him out by the back feet, but it seems he has wedged his horns into the foxhole. I'm sure we could pull him out altogether, but I know that doesn't work if I'm here by myself. That's right, said Eli. While it is nice to have help, we must also be thinking of the day when these things happen and we're out here all alone. Well, because you're new at this, I suppose I can help you out a bit. Eli took a rope off his shoulder as he said, A rope is often your best friend out here, next to your sling. Make sure you always have one close by. And without missing a beat, Eli wrapped the rope around the back end of Curly and then asked, Okay, now you should know this one. What is the best knot to use in this situation and why? David thought for a moment and said, Uh, it's dad's trusty bowline because it is a knot that will not come untied and at the same time not tighten up and cut off the blood to Curly's back legs. Not to mention it's easier to untie. Eli smiled and said, Ten out of ten, little brother. Now let's see you tie it. David knew this knot well for he had just spent an entire afternoon practicing on a post outside the house. He could do it in the dark if he had to. David looped the right side of the rope, poked the left end through the loop, went around the rope and back through the loop. He then pulled it tight, making the perfect figure eight that the knot was named after. Okay, said Eli. Now, here is the fun part. Eli proceeded to take the rope and wrap it around a nearby tree trunk. As he worked, he said, You don't want to make too many wraps or you won't be able to tighten the slack in the rope. One is usually about right to help you hold the weight of the sheep and still have the ability to pull. Then Eli did something David had not seen. With his shepherd's staff, he created a lever of sorts, placing the staff against the tree trunk horizontally. He then wrapped the rope around the end of the staff, and then he gently and firmly pulled the opposite end of the staff, and the rope began to slowly move around the trunk of the tree like a giant tree snake. You try, Eli said. And so David came over and helped adjust the rope for the second pull. It's always better to use a lever in your favor when you can, said Eli. You'll wear yourself out otherwise, not to mention. You can move a lot more weight with a good lever. Very cool, said David as he began to pull the staff back. He was surprised at how easily he could pull the rope. And as he watched, he could see Curly slowly inching back out of the hole. Of course, he was upset about the whole situation and was baaing and grunting to make sure everyone was aware of his disapproval. Dave and Eli both laughed at how silly Curly looked. But all of a sudden, he burst back out of the hole and tried to run off as though he was the victim. But the rope around his hind legs quickly tightened, and if it wasn't for the staff holding the end from slipping, he might have ran off with the rope. After a few hard tugs, he gave up and waited for the shepherds to release him. He has had the rope around him enough times to know the drill by now. Eli walked over and said, Curly, you just don't seem to learn. One of these days you're going to walk right off a cliff, and we won't even get to eat you. Oh, I couldn't eat Curly anyways, said Dave. He's like one of the family. Ha, said Eli. I'm not identifying with this sheep. I think he has wool for a brain. ''But I don't think I would want to eat him either. He would probably be as tough as leather.'' Eli untied the knot and gave Curly a swat on the rear. He grunted and walked off like nothing had ever happened. With that, Eli turned and began placing some loose sticks and branches over the hole. ''If one tries it, another is sure to follow,'' said Eli. ''Better to try and hide these temptations from the sheep.'' They seem to always fall for a hole in the ground. It's like they actually think they're going to find some hidden meadow of fresh clover or something inside of it. Eli gave Dave a firm punch on the shoulder and said, Well, Dave, looks like you might get your sling after all. While I didn't expect you to know the rope trick, you did a great job with the knot. Thanks, said Dave. Do you think I could give your sling a try? Well, I suppose, said Eli. While Eli may have not admitted it, he did enjoy having a younger brother to teach, just as his father had taught him. He continued, One of the most important things with a sling is uh, selecting the right rock. If it's too flat, it will be impossible to aim with as it will curve off to one side or the other. Or it might dive up or down. And if the rock is round but too large, you will lose a lot of range. I usually find one about the size of a robin's egg. David knew that size well. He had spent many hours searching for bird nests and then hoping to drop a worm or two into the baby's mouth. Some of his friends liked to knock them down, but Dave would rather watch them and help the mummy bird feed the babies. But many times he would find a nest full of eggs waiting to hatch. Dave scanned the ground, but was not able to find any at first glance. "'Oh, very rarely will you find a good stone in the middle of a field,' said Eli.' The best place to go is down to the water's edge. The brook was just a few hundred feet away, and so they started walking towards it. As they approached the small trickling stream, David spotted a black blob beside it and said, What is that, Eli? Ah, said Eli, that is an unwelcome visitor. Looks like a bear to me. A bear, exclaimed David. Let's get out of here. Lesson number three, said Eli, never abandon the sheep when a predator is near. They're often more fearful of us than we are of them, especially if you remind them that you're not planning to leave. Besides, that bear seems to be having some success with his fishing, and so I don't think Lamb will be on the menu for a while. We'll make sure he knows we are here so that we don't surprise him and risk an attack, but always make sure to stop and look for cubs. If she has little ones, she'll be three times more likely to charge us in order to protect her babies. As Dave and Eli approached the water's edge a good distance from the bear, the bear looked up at them and then stood up on her back legs as though she was reminding them of her size. Or was she just trying to get a better look, Dave wondered. Well, she sees us, said Eli. That's a good thing. As Dave watched the bear drop back down to her front feet and continue fishing, he remembered why they came in the first place. The stones! Dave began scanning the water's edge for good stones and picked up one that looked about right, or so he thought. Not bad, said Eli. A little on the big side, but decent. He picked up a few and showed them to Dave. These are about perfect. I'll let you try these compared to your bigger one, and I think you'll see what I mean. Perfect, said David. Can we actually shoot them at the bear? No, said Eli. Better to leave the bear to her fishing. Generally, we don't strike unless there is a real danger to the flock. You certainly don't want to engage in such a battle unless you have to. Dave wasn't sure he'd ever be as strong and brave as his brothers. They seemed so unafraid of everything. His first instinct seemed to be to run away from danger. He was starting to doubt his ability to care for the sheep as a true shepherd. But then he remembered how his dad had taught him to pray and asked God of heaven to help him. And so David whispered a prayer to God. God, please help me be brave and strong, even though I'm little. You are the strongest in the whole universe. And so help me to trust in you and have faith that you will watch over me even when I'm afraid. David soon forgot about the fear and doubt that was rising up in his heart, and he was instead filled with a song of praise to God. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. My God, whose name I praise. Dave was brought back to the valley filled with sheep by a trumpet blast. He recognized the horn, it was a Binadab's tune, and they used the horns to gather the shepherds together when something needed to be done. If it was a warning of danger, he would have given three short blasts instead of one long one. A single long blast on the horn indicated that he wanted the shepherds to gather together, usually so they could work together for a specific task. David was pretty sure it was watering time, but he knew that you still must go to the lead shepherd and follow instructions. David also had a horn. He was not very good at blowing it. It was something that he had tried to practice. It was hard to make his lips tight enough and also blow hard enough to get the horn to make its note. When he blew the horn, it sounded more like a dying rabbit than anything, but once in a while he would get it to work properly. He knew that learning to use the horn quickly and clearly was an important part of being a shepherd. But even Abinadab couldn't blow his horn well until he was 11, or so that's what his father said. So David didn't feel too much pressure to learn immediately, but it would be nice to be able to do it well a year before Abinadab could have. Well, said Eli, I guess our sling practice will have to wait. We better get back and see what Abe wants. And so Dave put some of his rocks into his pouch, and they started walking back to the fire. As they gathered together, it was as Dave thought. It was time to lead the sheep down to the brook for a drink. What about the bear? David blurted out. What bear? said Abinadab. The one that Eli and I saw fishing earlier, said David. Well, Abinadab responded eagerly. I guess we'll get to do a bit of target practice on a living target today. ''Or,'' jumped in Eli, ''we could just move down river a few hundred feet and keep an eye on her.'' ''I've got a lot of rocks,'' said David excitedly. ''They're no bigger than a robin's egg.'' ''Perfect,'' said Eli. ''How about you give me a handful?'' As they prepared their packs and picked up their staffs, they started circling around the flock. The sheep, having done this a thousand times before, knew instantly what to do, and they were getting thirsty anyways.'' They started following Abinadab as he went out in front and began to call the sheep to himself. Come on, sheep, come on, Curly, said Abinadab. Time for a cool drink of water. The sheep would especially follow when Curly decided to go. Being one of the older male sheep, he often led the flock. Abinadab knew this brook well and knew which spot had the best ground for the sheep to drink from. It was also important that the water was still, or else sheep have been known to drown themselves while drinking. However, it was nice to have a brook to water them from. Oftentimes, the shepherds must draw water from a well, which can take several hours of the day. Not to mention, it seems that sheep are thirstier when you have to pack water for them. So a few sheep found their way to the still water and began to drink. Curly, of course, making sure he was first to get a cool drink, pushed ahead of the others. Eli pointed down the river at the black dot on the bank. There she is. Looks like she's content to have fish today. Thank the Lord for that, said David. I'd rather not get into a fight with a bear on my first day. Well, said Eli, you wouldn't ever forget it. Or, said David, I could just spray you with water and remember it that way. As David spoke, he splashed his staff against the flowing stream and sent a spray of water towards Eli. But the sudden movement startled one of the sheep, and she lunged into the water. No sooner did the sheep lunge into the water, did she also tip over in the brook and began flailing around. Eli and Abe jumped in and pulled the sheep up by the thick wool. Together they dragged the water-saturated sheep to the edge of the brook and carefully pushed it onto the dry ground. The sheep coughed and spluttered and soon was calm enough to stand on its own and breathe normally again. It looked like a giant, soggy cotton ball with water dripping off its body. Dave froze with embarrassment. He knew it was his fault and that he should have known to keep calm at the edge of the water while the sheep were drinking. Thankfully, his brothers didn't say too much. They knew that Dave was fully aware of his mistake and didn't need to have it explained further. "'Well,' said Eli, "'if you don't make a few mistakes, you're probably not learning anything.' "'I'm sorry,' said David." I guess that means I won't get my sling tonight at supper, huh? No harm done, said Abe, as he smacked Dave on the back. Have you heard what Shem did on his first day? I don't think so, said David. What happened? I promise I won't make fun of him for it. Well, said Eli, it could have been worse. We were watering our sheep at a well, and there were also some other shepherds from the family of Nathanael there. Things were already tense as they were saying that we should dig our own well because that one was dug by their grandfather. But we knew there had already been an agreement that we would use it and then also give them access to some of our wells. Father was trying to keep things calm and prevent a fight from breaking out. And just as it looked like he was making progress, Shem decided to start practicing his sling. And he accidentally let his sling strap go too soon, and the rock went flying behind him, hitting one of the sons of Nathaniel right in the stomach. And just as the man he hit was about to pounce on me, father scooped up a lamb and passed it to the son of Nathaniel, saying, "Uh, By way of apology. And the man let out a deep breath and snatched the lamb from father. We quickly finished up the watering and parted ways, While we all knew it was an accident, Shem still had to cut firewood for a week straight. Wow, said David. I can see why no one has brought that up at the supper table. Poor Shem. Needless to say, said Eli, make sure you have lots of space when you practice that sling of yours. Uh, That is, once you get it. And with that, Eli put a rock in his sling, pointed at a tree on the other side of the brook, "'began to swing his sling around and around and let the rock fly. "'The rock bounced off the tree with a thump and splashed back into the brook. "'Nice shot,' said Abe. "'Well, let's get these sheep to the back of the line so the others can drink.' "'And they gently shuffled the sheep around so that everyone got a drink of water. "'After the sheep finished drinking, "'they slowly began to move them back to the meadow for some rest "'and so that they could eat their lunch.' Suddenly they spotted a rabbit munching on some grass up ahead. Abe put up his hand to get everyone to stop. He put a stone in his sling and let it fly. It hit the rabbit right on the head, and the fuzzy little animal fell over instantly. "'Looks like rabbit for lunch,' said Abe proudly. "'Now that is some fine work with the sling,' remarked Eli as he smacked him on the back. "'I'll get some firewood,' said David as he darted ahead." He could feel his stomach growl as his thoughts turned towards food. The sheep scattered a bit as they reached the meadow and began to lay down and chew their cud. Sheep are one of those unique animals that eat their food and then chew it later. Dave always thought they looked so funny when they chewed their cud, like their bottom jaw might actually fall off from going up and down in a circular sort of way. After glancing back over to where the brook was and seeing no sign of the big bear, Dave began picking up bits of dried grass and wood to feed the fire. As he returned to the place where Shem had made the fire the night before, Eli already had some coals revived and a small flame licking up the dry grass he had placed on top. Abe had made short work of cleaning the rabbit and was busy getting it onto a roasting stick. Dave laid the wood down for Eli to use and then took a cool drink from his water pouch and sighed a sigh of contentment. Lying down on the grass for a moment, he then remembered his harp. He reached over and pulled it out and strummed a little tune. O Israel, how can you be afraid of the giants? Amalekites, this Canaanite parade, don't you remember don't you know your stories oh Israel well that's it for today's episode thanks so much for tuning in we hope you'll join us next time to hear what else happens on Dave's big day, learning to become a shepherd please check us out online at www.kidsway.ca you can also find us on facebook remember go over to soulmusic.ca and there you can find and download and buy much more of jamie soul's music that he has written and recorded see you next time god bless